You're going to love this. Just love it. Pacifica Radio's KPFK in Los Angeles. This is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. Hi, LAPD. 91.7 FM KYAQ on the beautiful Oregon Central Coast and, of course, coast to coast and around the globe on KPFK.org. On the Stitcher app, the TuneIn app on iTunes. On the great Progressive Voices channel, on Netroots Radio, on Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, Radio or Not, Radio Free Brooklyn, and five days a week on Radio Sputnik. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you for joining us today. As usual, another very big show. We will be joined in a few moments by Ted Rawl, award-winning syndicated editorial cartoonist, proud progressive, proud leftist, and I mean that as a compliment, fired by the L.A. Times late last week for jaywalking. Well, sorta, kinda, really. Uh, it, it's it's an amazing story. This involves the uh, the LAPD, which is why I said hi, LAPD. And what appears to be an extraordinary attack on Ted Rawl by the LAPD after he was recently critical of the Los Angeles police concerning their policy on jaywalking. Uh, this is real. Uh, seriously, it is that strange. It is that bizarre. And we will be getting the full story from Ted Rawl in just a few moments. You're going to want to stay tuned for that. Uh, we don't have much time to get into. We haven't talked about Donald Trump lately, and I know you're going to be upset uh, to hear that we we can't get into great detail today either. But I will toss out this one story about Donald Trump because uh, he continues. He continues to dominate the Republican Party's contest uh, to determine their 2016 nominee for president of the United States. He shows no sign of fading, quite the opposite, in fact. He is now uh, topping more and more polls. His uh, previous uh, negative numbers have now turned into positive numbers among Republicans. I'm not kidding. Everything is going great for Donald Trump. Uh, except for uh, this one thing. Gawker apparently published his cell phone number online in retaliation for Donald Trump having published Senator Lindsey Graham's cell phone number. Uh, but here is the thing about Donald Trump, as, they, uh, as the headline says over a Talking Points memo today. Trump cannot be trolled. The Donald embraces the disclosure of his phone number. In fact, he tweeted after Gawker uh, published his number, 
Donald Trump tweeted, Thank you, Gawker. Call me on my cell phone, 917-756-8000, and listen to my campaign message. That's right. Uh, He's turned it into an opportunity. This guy is good. He may be crazy, but this guy is good. And if Republicans are worried about him becoming their nominee, they ought to become really, really worried about him becoming their nominee. And by the way, at some point, Democrats are going to have to start worrying about that, too. If you do call that number, what you get is this message, apparently, Hi, this is Donald Trump, and I'm running for presidency of the United States of America. With your support and help, we can make America truly great again. Hope to see you on the campaign trail. We're going to do it. So anyway, uh, see there? Turning uh, lemons into uh, lemonade. Yes, some free advertising there for Donald Trump. Way to go. Well done, Gawker. That is, of course, Desi Doyen, our producer and my co-host of the Green News Report, which we will be... uh, Playing a little bit later in the program with some more news on President Obama's landmark announcement uh, about his uh, historic climate change action to slash carbon emissions across the country. This is a very, very big deal. Oh, it's a huge deal, and yeah. it's not getting the kind of coverage that it deserves to get in the mainstream corporate media either. Well, no, it's not. We're going to talk about that in a moment. We're going to be joined by D.R. Tucker from Washington Monthly. Um, well, let's jump into this right now because uh, you're right. It's not getting the kind of coverage that it should. There are a few folks in the mainstream corporate media who do cover it, who do give it proper coverage, but not a lot. One of the people who has been giving it uh, excellent coverage over the past year or two is Ed Schultz over at MSNBC. Or I suppose we should say Ed Schultz, formerly of MSNBC, Yep, because he was let go last week. And we will explain that. So today, I think, is a show about uh, firing progressives. It does appear to be shaping up that way. Not (laughs) about firing Donald Trump, who made the phrase, you're fired, uh, famous, but about firing progressives instead. Uh, Case in point here, let's let's start. There's a reason why we cover so much uh, green environmental climate change news on the show, because I believe it is the greatest existential threat that this planet faces. I think, Desi, you may agree. Oh, yes. (laughs) Oh, yes. And it simply does not get the kind of coverage that it deserves. So we have been covering it on this show, on the Green News Report, for years and years to try to make up for some of the failure in uh, the corporate media when it comes to coverage of this issue. Case in point is the way CBS News, CBS Evening News, the uh, top showcase for uh, for CBS News, the way they covered Barack Obama's historic climate change announcement yesterday his announcement to take action to cut emissions to combat climate change in that coverage they did not mention climate change or global warming incredibly even once for the first time the federal government will restrict greenhouse gases from power plants the president announced today that in 15 years plants must cut emissions 32 percent and 28 percent of the electricity in this country must come from sources such as wind and solar. More than a thousand U.S. power stations fueled by coal will face major changes and that industry is suing. Because this is an executive action and not a law, a future president could change these rules. So there you go. There's all the facts, except for the reason why this was being done in the first place. 
another corporate mainstream failure when it comes to reporting on climate change. Here to discuss this and what happened to Ed Schultz over at MSNBC is our friend D.R. Tucker. He's a Massachusetts-based freelance writer, former contributor to the conservative website Human Events Online. He's now a regular contributor to the uh, to the Washington Monthly and an occasional contributor to bradblog.com. D.R. Tucker, sir, welcome back to the broadcast. Good. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing okay. I wanted to talk to you about not just that story, that that sort of tees things up for where we are, but about what happened late last week at MSNBC. They fired a bunch of folks in the uh, the day part of their schedule. And listen, that's not unusual. Ratings are ratings. Uh, you know, corporations do what they have to do. But one of the folks who they fired was Ed Schultz. Now, by way of full disclosure, Dr. Uh, I have uh, I've been on Ed's uh, show, both his radio show and his TV show, at various times. I have uh, guest hosted his radio show. Um, but what Ed Schultz did was rather extraordinary a year or so ago when he came out in favor of the Keystone XL pipeline and everything that happened thereafter. Uh, Dr. I know that you were impressed by what came thereafter, so let me allow you to explain to listeners uh, what happened with Ed Schultz and the Keystone XL Pipeline and why it's so unusual. Well, he initially came out in favor of, of the pipeline, but then he had on a series of climate hawks and climate activists, including some members from the uh, League of Conservation Voters, the Natural Resources Defense Council, Joseph Rome of Climate Progress, and then he went out to Nebraska and talked to some of the people on the front lines of where the pipeline would be placed, and he came to realize that this was not such a great idea after all, and in February of 2014, he came out on air and said that he was wrong and that he was dead set against the pipeline and urged President Obama to veto the Keystone XL pipeline. And to me, DR, that was extraordinary, frankly, because you don't see uh, folks, whether it's, you know, talk radio, whether it's on TV, coming out as he did. And he, by the way, he had a very, let's say, a good reason, a legitimate reason uh, uh, to be in favor of Keystone XL. He had seen uh, these oil trains blowing up near him where he lives up in North Dakota, and he felt that uh, overall uh, a pipeline was a much safer way to move this dirty oil. But there was such an uproar after he came out in favor of uh, Keystone XL that you got to give him credit, at least I do, for saying, okay, what is it I don't know about this situation? And then beginning to talk to people and learn and actually change his position. How, how rare is that, DR, from all the years that you've been covering media? It's, it's not often that you see somebody have a principled uh, change of heart. And, uh, of course, he was pilloried for that by the, by the sort of shills for the fossil fuel industry for daring to change his mind. But he stood his ground, and he basically maintained right until the day he was off air that the Keystone XL pipeline was a bad idea. And, uh, and he actually, not only did he say it was a bad idea, he became a great advocate against the Keystone XL pipeline uh, thereafter and uh, really improved his climate coverage. I was impressed with the coverage that Ed Schultz did after he made that transformation. Do, do, you, do you share that uh, thought in watching his coverage develop over the years, Dr. Definitely. He was second only to Chris Hayes in terms of the quality of the climate coverage that he provided on MSNBC. He emerged as a strong critic of uh, uh, President 
presidential candidate Hillary Clinton because of what he saw as Hillary Clinton's evasiveness on Keystone XL. He also strongly defended presidential candidate Bernie Sanders because of Sanders' uh, strong opposition to, to the Keystone XL pipeline as well. Do you think that any of that had anything to do with him being fired at uh, MSNBC? He was let go. Alex Wagner was let go. They also let go the uh, uh, the four. Um, what is it? The cycle, which is sort of uh, MSNBC's, you know, four, four people sitting around talking about the news. Uh, do you think uh, his his political position had anything to do with him being let go? Have you seen any information to that end, or was this just a matter of you know what if you're if your ratings are not up to snuff in the corporate media, something, uh, you know, changes are made. Well, the, well, the, the firing of, of Alex Wagner and Ed, Ed Schultz is one of those things that, to quote the old Arsenio Hall line, makes you go, hmm, the fact that two strained critics of the pollution that MSNBC's advertisers were causing were suddenly shown the door. Uh, there has also been tremendous speculation that what really got Ed Schultz in particular in hot water was his strong advocacy against the Trans-Pacific Partnership on climate grounds, and I believe it was an alternate. Uh, I believe it was Sahid Jahani, I may be mispronouncing his name, he noted that the parent company of MSNBC uh, was quite <laughs> enthusiastic in favor of the Trans-Pacific Partnership and had apparently done some degree of lobbying towards that end. So, as you can imagine, that might have gotten him, gotten Ed Schultz in the crosshairs of MSNBC. Mm-hmm. And as it's Phil Donahue can tell you, when you get into the crosshairs of MSNBC's management, you're not long for uh, the station that, you know, once leaned forward and now seems to be leaning in all sorts of different directions, mm-hmm. but not having a one specific direction at all. To be clear here, by the way, Alec Wagner, her, her show was canceled. She was not actually fired. Uh, on the other hand, Ed Schultz, they did let him go. Uh, Dr. Tucker, do you have uh, concerns about MSNBC's coverage of TPP? You're right. I don't see much coverage uh, of the Trans-Pacific Partnership on MSNBC at all, at least not the portions that I watch. And I don't watch it all that often. But I haven't seen a, a lot of that coverage. I do see some continuing excellent coverage by Chris Hayes in primetime of, uh, of environmental and climate issues, at least. Yes, for now, but, uh, but as you know, sadly, there has been some speculation that uh, Chris Hayes may also not be long for MSNBC. Uh, there has been some talk of possibly uh, Brian Williams being put into his spot. I, I, I saw some rumors to the effect of a possible return by Keith Olbermann. Uh, but it, but the, the prospect of diminished climate coverage on cable news when we desperately need more and desperately need more of a connecting of the dots, which you, of course, did not see in that CBS Evening News clip you played. I mean, it's, it's an absolute tragedy because it, it, it's as though the mainstream media is being derelict in its duties. There was a recent report in Media Matters about how all these media entities will cover wildfires, but they will not connect the dots to climate change, despite the fact that the vast majority of climate scientists have said that as you warm the planet, you will have more wildfires. So to see a decrease in the coverage of an issue that desperately needs an increase in coverage is nothing short of a journalistic tragedy. I think you're right. I think there are so few people that actually do connect those dots in the corporate media. And, you know, you got a great example of it there with that CBS evening news clip, a huge historic move by uh, Barack Obama. They report that it happened. They just don't report why it happens and why Americans need to know, you know, the thing they actually need to know about that story. CBS 
just didn't cover it. And now, well, MSNBC may not be covering it either for much longer uh, if this trend continues over there of what we're seeing. I just want to make one more point. Sure. You know, you know, the, we, know we know that Fox so-called news, uh, their slogan was, we report, you decide. Mm-hmm. When it comes to climate change, what happens when the rest of the mainstream media decides not to report? That is what they have decided, it seems, for many, many years. I was kind of encouraged. It looked like things were getting better in this presidential uh, election cycle. We're hearing more uh, coverage of that. The candidates are being pressed more often about it. But there you go, right in the middle of CBS uh, Evening News. No mention of it, uh, despite the fact that you've got this uh, landmark uh, change to uh, emissions in all 50 states. Um, so no wonder the American public are so uh, either misinformed or disinformed. Take your pick. All right. Indeed, a journalistic tragedy. Thank you, Dr. Tucker. Uh, check out his work, uh, particularly on the weekends, over at Washington Monthly. Uh, is it WashMonthly.com? Oh, WashingtonMonthly.com. WashingtonMonthly.com. Thanks, Dr. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks. Okay, a quick break, and then we're back with the bizarre story of what has happened to editorial cartoonist Ted Rawl. He'll be right here with us. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Don't touch that dial. Hey, this is Brad. Do you enjoy your non-corporatized, commercial-free Bradcast? Yeah, me too. But we need your help to stay that way. Please consider supporting the investigative blogging, broadcasting, and muckraking that we do here on the Bradcast and the Green News Report and bradblog.com with a donation. It's easy. Stop by bradblog.com slash donate and drop a few dollars in the tip jar. You can make a one-time contribution or an automatic monthly donation of any amount you like. It's easy. It'll take you about 60 seconds and you'll help me and Desi stay on the air to continue our troublemaking and muckraking without the corporate influence of anyone. Got it? Thanks. Stop by bradblog.com slash donate to help us out today. Nobody, nobody walks in L.A. Well, except maybe Ted Rawl. You know, when I first got to, we'll talk to him in a moment. When I first got to Los Angeles in the in the mid '90s or so, my my friends warned me. One of the first things they warned me about was about jaywalking in this town. That uh, cops in this town, the LAPD, they actually give tickets. For jaywalking. Now, where I grew up, uh, that was never the case. In New York City, when I lived there for a a decade or so, that was never uh, the case. But everybody warns you about that when you come to Los Angeles, or at least they warned me. All right, that said, a couple of days ago, I got a note from my friend uh, Greg Pallas, the investigative journalist. We've had him on this show many times, uh, concerning this very strange story that I've been trying to make sense of ever since. In May of this year, just a few months ago, Ted Rawl, former president of the Association of uh, American Editorial Cartoonists, Pulitzer Prize nominee, two-time Kennedy Journalism Award winner, Uh, And an L.A. Times columnist wrote a blog to go with his latest L.A. Times editorial cartoon concerning the LAPD crackdown, a new crackdown, I guess, on jaywalking. 
In the blog item, Ted Rawl noted, This one is personal. He wrote, Just over 10 years ago, I was ticketed and handcuffed for an alleged pedestrian violation while crossing Melrose Avenue. Ironically, this was one of the rare times that I was innocent of even jaywalking, something I do every day. Anyway, I had done everything right. I waited for the green walking man signal before stepping off the curb. I walked between the crosswalk lines. I got the uh, got across the street just as the flashing red signal began. All of a sudden, a motorcycle officer zoomed over, threw me up against the wall, slapped on the cuffs, roughed me up, and wrote me a ticket. It was an ugly scene, and in broad daylight, it must have looked like one because within minutes, there were a couple of dozen passerby shouting at the cop. Another motorcycle officer appeared, asked the colleague what the heck he was thinking, and ordered him to let me go, which he did. But not before he threw my driver's license into the sewer. I filed a formal complaint with the Los Angeles Police Department, writes Ted Rall. A few months went by without my hearing anything, so I called to check in. I was told that the complaint was dismissed. They had never notified me. Okay, so that was what went... uh, Ted Rall wrote that to go along with a cartoon... Uh, on the uh, LAPD's crosswalk crackdown, don't police have something better to do? That was the headline. Now, if you go to the LA Times and if you try to check that uh, story and that cartoon, there's an edit- an editor's note that's uh, appended to the front of the column. It says, in part, uh, quote, an audio tape of the encounter between Ted Rawl and the LA police uh, LAPD that was recorded by the police officer, does not back up Rawls' assertions. It gives no indication that there was physical violence of any sort by the policeman or that Rawls' license was thrown into the sewer or that he was handcuffed, nor is there any evidence on the recording of a crowd of shouting onlookers. In Rawls' initial complaint to the LAPD, he describes the incident without mentioning any physical violence or handcuffing, but says the police officer was, quote, belligerent and hostile and that he threw Rawls' license into the, quote, gutter. The tape provided, uh, recorded, I should say, by the LAPD, it's not clear who provided it to the L.A. Times, the tape depicts a polite interaction. The recording and other evidence provided by the LAPD raise serious questions about the accuracy of Rawls' blog post. Based on this, the piece should not have been published. The L.A. Times editors say Rawls' future work will not appear in the Times. They add the L.A. Times is a trusted source of news because of the quality and integrity of the work its its journalists do. This is a reminder of the need to remain vigilant about what we publish. Well, this is all very strange. This incident from uh, so many years ago that the LAPD was able to go back, find these recordings, bring them to the L.A. Uh, to the L.A. Times. I have listened to the tape. Um, it's about six, six and a half minutes or so where you can hear the cop at the beginning of the uh, encounter. Then you hear a whole bunch of uh, road noise, traffic noise. It's, you can't hear anything. Can't even hear Ted Rawl. And then at the end, you once again, you hear the cop and the thing is over. All of this is very strange. Ted Rawl is now contesting the entire affair. And Ted Rawl, columnist, syndicated editorial cartoonist and author, at least until last week, who worked at the L.A. Times, joins us now on the broadcast. Hey, Ted, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Thank you, Brad. I appreciate it. Sure. All right. So, um... 
this story is is very strange, and uh, I want to get your uh, side of the story about what this is about. But before we do, uh, you have now had experts go over this tape pro- provided by the LAPD to the L.A. Times. That's right. I hired a uh, a, a very well-respected audio technical firm in Los Angeles, Post Haste Digital. Um, they work on movies and stuff in, in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And they, I had them, you know, I have no relationship with them other than the fact that I paid them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I certainly didn't tell them what to do or how to get it. I right. just said, clean it up as much as you can, and let's see what we can get off it. Turns out uh, we now have, and it's online, and you can listen to the enhanced recording mm-hmm. if you want to. And there's a transcript that goes with it that's down to the one one hundredth of a second. That uh, there's a lot of, of stuff that was on the tape uh, before whatever the cops did to it or didn't do it, do to it. Uh, but we know that it's there. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it seems that the cops didn't really listen to their own tape before releasing it, uh, using, and they didn't analyze it correctly. Certainly, the LA Times never checked it, uh, and so and and the LA Times never checked the provenance of the tape or to see if it had been tampered with in any way. What we know is that. Uh, thanks to the miracles of technology, there was an angry crowd yelling at the police officer. The officer was um, sniping back sarcastic comments. Things did turn very ugly with uh, even um, words that were exchanged from between the crowd and the cop that, uh, whose off- officer, Will Durr, that I can't repeat here on the air um, because they're obscene. Um, and, uh, Thank you. <laughs> sexual comments and uh, you know, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that to me? Mm-hmm. Um, and more, most critically, from my point of view, uh, there's one woman in particular who, and several others, uh, but this one says very clearly, take off his handcuffs twice. And then the cop refuses and said, no, 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 no. I'm giving him a ticket first. So this verifies two important parts of the story that the LAPD and the LA Times disagreed, uh, say, I was lying about. I said there was an angry crowd of people. The tape proves there was. Uh, the, I said I was handcuffed. The tape proves I was. Uh, the, I said that the, um, I also said that the, uh, the cop had thrown my license to the ground. There may even be some evidence of that on the tape. Uh, there appears to be the possible clicking of handcuffs on it. Uh, but, you know, I think, I think basically the, the money shot, as they say, is, mm-hmm. is the woman screaming, take off his handcuffs, uh, right there. Now, there's some evidence at this point. Now, everything I've just said, mm-hmm. that part can all be testified to in a court of law. Post-haste can go in, can send someone into court. This will, would stand up in court, what they did. They didn't modify the tape. And I'm happy to send the tape, the, the version of the tape that I have to mm-hmm. anybody who wants it, and they can you know, take their own crack at it if they, if they want to. Uh, but, the, but essentially uh, what this proves is that my story was not just mostly true with a few details wrong. My story was 100.0% true, uh, which in journalism is even rare. Uh, <laughs> yeah. and, but it was, uh, yeah, it was exactly right. Yeah, um, they, they had you know, some remarkably ver- right, like totally right. I, know, I, didn't, I didn't get any, anything wrong. And it's the LAPD that lied. Now, in terms of conjecture, uh, there's strong evidence that the tape has been spliced repeatedly. That there are places that there are there's things missing. Um, I, I mean, I would put, I'm a betting man. We're working to prove that, but 
it's very, I'd say it's, you know, 95% um, that we're going to be able to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that the cops manipulated this tape. Ted, um, what, what, one of the, um, yeah, the, the LA Times appeared to have some quibbles uh, with you because uh, you had said when you filed this complaint with the LAPD uh, more than 10 years ago, I guess, that they threw the license. At the time, yeah, 14 years ago. 14 yeah. years ago. Uh, that uh, in that complaint that they threw the license into the, quote, gutter, and uh, somehow the L.A. Times had a problem because uh, now when you rewrote, well, when you wrote the story 15 years later, you referred to it as the sewer. It, it was that sort of quibble that I find very strange coming from the L.A. Uh, from the LA Times. But uh, I have to say, uh, Ted, when I listened to the uh, tape and, you know, without really, really good equipment, uh, it is hard to tell what is going on in those uh, th- those street noises. Uh, it does sound like a woman is saying, take off his something. Uh, I can hear someone say, I feel really scared, a-, a male voice. I don't know if that's you saying, I feel that's really scared. That's the officer. That's the officer. Um, it's it's hard to hear, and that's why I just wanted to say that because, you know, this is radio, and I would be inclined to play both versions of the tape, but to be honest, both the first version and even the cleanup version is very difficult to hear unless you've got really, really good uh, equipment. But I will say this, knowing uh, something about audio, is that uh, on that tape you can hear the officer Uh, At the beginning and at various times, you can hear him whistle, but you can't really hear much else other than street noise, which suggests to me that there was some sort of a microphone uh, like we use here in the studio, a microphone that only picks up, you know, when you're speaking right into the mic. Couldn't even really hear you responding to the cop. Um, So the quality is 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 not great. But why, A, did you know that they were uh, taping the encounter at the time, 14 years ago? And why do you suspect all of a sudden, 14 years later, they were able to find this tape and bring it to the L.A. Times? Are they out? It, was it just the column that you wrote in May? Or are they really out to get you? I know you haven't been uh, all that kind to the LAPD over the years. What's this about? Yeah, well, uh, taking them one, taking them in order. Uh, the, the there's the there's the matter of the quality of the tape. Mm-hmm. The I've had you know I crowdsourced this, and six audio technicians from across the United States have all taken cracks at it, mm-hmm. and some got even worse results than that. And the, my favorite quote was one of them said, "You can't really turn a hamburger into a steak." You know, the, the initial quality is so terrible yeah. that it's uh, I mean we're, it, that it's really hard. It's it's true. I mean, like, I've had people say, if you sit with good Sennheiser, you know, uh, headphones in a, mm-hmm. in a studio, and you can, you can definitely hear it, even on the original tape. Mm-hmm. You can hear the, um, you know, the, a lot of this conversation. Um, but, you know, if you're listening to on, on an iPhone with earbuds, forget about it. It's just like... Right, exactly. Um, so, I mean, but it's there, you know. I mean, right. the, the, the transcript is official, you know. I mean, that's there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and I, I invite, like, and I think that if it comes down to legal action uh, and we're able to get access to the original recording, bear in mind this is a dub, right? So there's the original audio tape, and then the LAPD record dubbed that mm-hmm. to something else. We don't know what, real-to-real digital, who knows. And then they converted, they, they converted that to a WAV file, a mm-hmm. WAV file, which compresses it further. So we're looking at a third-generation tape. So we might be able to get more out of the original if, we, if you know, it doesn't mysteriously disappear from the evidence room. <laughs> um, 
so that's the one thing. Um, you asked about, you know, why would they do this or yeah. how it started. Well, okay, so the, the column appeared in May. It didn't make a big splash. It wasn't viral. Nothing really happened. But mm-hmm. obviously it pissed off someone at the LAPD or the LAPPL, which is the police union, mm-hmm. uh, because they've been gloating about my firing on their blog uh, in a way that comes off as a thinly veiled fret- threat to reporters or journalists who have the temerity to uh, criticize the police. Um, and so it's clear from that, that from the P- LAPPL blog entry, that they've hated me for a long time, and, and frankly, I can't blame them. I've been very, very critical of the police. Right. Uh, LAPD, I think, is uh, ham-fisted, over-militarized, violent, corrupt, and incompetent, and much more concerned about uh, protecting and serving their, themselves than the people of Los Angeles. Yeah, but other than so, that, they really crack down on jaywalking, so you got to give them credit. <laughs> yeah, there they're too. on top of that jaywalking yeah. scourge. You yes. Know? Yes. Uh, if ISIS comes, across, comes over and starts jaywalking, <laughs> right. they're going to be all over them. So, yeah, I mean, by the way, I wasn't jaywalking, and that's really... uh, Oh, so, yeah, so you asked about, like, why didn't I originally um, complain uh, in my original complaint about the the handcuffing. Uh, You know, bear in mind, this was 14 years ago. It was 2001. It was Mm -hmm. three weeks after 9-11. And um, at the time, I wasn't even aware that they didn't have the right to to handcuff you. I mean, admittedly, I hadn't been handcuffed before like that, uh, you know, (laughs) for something like that. Uh Uh, But... But it's like a, uh, but it, but it, and it surprised me, and it was part of the rudeness. But first and foremost, what really made me angry, because the guy didn't hurt me physically, right. uh, he just wounded my pride. Um, but what really pissed me off was the fact that I was not jaywalking. If I'd been jaywalking, I would have paid my ticket, and and then just been more careful in the future. If you weren't but jaywalking, w- what was he claiming that you were doing? And this is kind of remarkable because I didn't realize this either. So uh, tell us what. What did he pull you over for at that point? Well, he stopped me for jay- he stopped me for jaywalking. I, I but didn't didn't he claim that jaywalking? Because uh, I didn't realize this. Are you allowed to cross the street when the little red man is counting? That you know, there's a little countdown that yeah, goes on. Yeah, apparently you're not in L.A. There's part of there's a specific charge against like entering like let's say it says oh there's 22 seconds left right and you can still make and you know I'm a fa- I'm a tall guy I can walk right. I walk fast I'm a runner I can make it. But that's still illegal. You're supposed to step off the curb before the little red guy starts going. So but that, that wasn't the case in my case. I mean, seriously, it's the, it was like the cleanest walk across the street you could ever ask for. Between the lines, I, I stepped off. I was, you know, I was, uh, this is one, one thing your, your listeners could probably relate to. I was running early, uh-huh. so I wasn't in a rush. So I was, you know, really in a very relaxed, calm mode. Uh, I just finished everything I had to do for the day. I just did a taping with the Bill Maher show, Politically Incorrect. Mm-hmm. And I was done. And I was going to meet some friends for dinner, and they were gonna, weren't going to come for a while. So I wasn't in any, you know what I mean? I was yeah, yeah, yeah. doing everything by the book. I was in a calm mode. So that's why. And, well, and that's why I was so furious. Look, I've gotten tickets. Uh, you know, I speed a lot. <laughs> I right. used to speed a lot. I, 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 I get my tickets. I pay my tickets. You know, I mean, I, t- I, take, my, I take my lumps. I'm not the kind of person who will fight uh, a completely fair ticket. Right. This just wasn't that. Well, and it wasn't even even a little fair. It was not it was a complete lie. I just wasn't jaywalking. Well, Ted Rawl, um, when 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 you made this case with the LA Times, with the people that you work for or used to work for, when you yep. a, made the case that 
this is not true. Did they simply just look at and compare the tape to what your claim was? And they say, well, that's it, because we hear no evidence of these claims. We are unable to hear the ID, the driver's license, I guess, falling into the street, into the gutter. Therefore, you're lying. I mean, did you make this case to them? And what have they said since you've had these experts go over the tape and they've, you know, pulled out, uh, you know, take off his handcuffs and and that sort of thing? Have they responded to any of those uh, audio enhancements since then? No, they haven't made any response whatsoever. It's been extraordinary. Uh, the uh, they've been made aware since Thursday of last week that their entire story was wrong, that their just, entire justification for firing me and smearing my reputation on, uh, you know, in the newspaper and online was completely invalid. And since then, they've gone into stonewall mode. It's clear that they're lawyering up. Uh, they, the LAPD and the LA Times extraordinarily are not responding to any reporter's uh, requests for comment whatsoever, mm-hmm. not even to issue a no comment, no comment. They're just not calling back or answering the phone, which I've never heard of. I mean, the public information office of the LAPD always issues a statement, and the LA Times is a newspaper. Newspapers always issue a statement. Since when do news reporters hide from reporters? Uh, well, actually, um, you know what? I, I found that's not necessarily the case. Sometimes it really? is quite... Yeah, yeah. I've, I've tried to get comment uh, many times from news, news outlets, and, you know, while they insist on other people giving comment, uh, they're, they're not quite, you know, they're well, a bit more thin-skinned, I find, sometimes. Well, I think that's, uh, I mean, that's yeah. news, uh, news to me, but it's, anyway, it's, just, it's, it's still astonishing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're, they're, but obviously they don't have anything, you know, I mean, they, if they had anything to defend themselves with, they would, they would, they would use it. I mean, look, look, they fired me on an, basically on a tape that, as you described, mm-hmm. Brad, has 20, had 20 seconds of talk and about six minutes of, right. So based on that, you know, they kept saying, going back to your uh, earlier question, that they had a, um, that, that they were a, um, sorry, I'm losing track of my, my train of thought here. They said that they, they used like this really weird pretzel logic to try to, to, to say that I was guilty. Um, you know, they, they said like, well, you know, there's nothing on this tape that supports your story. I'm like, no, there isn't. I agree, and but I'm not the one who coughed up this stupid tape, and there's nothing on the sto- on the co- on the story on the tape that supports the cops' version either. Let me there's th- nothing on the tape. I was like, this is a joke, let and it is a joke. Well, t- uh, Ted, l- let me uh, talk about that tape for a second because over at anewdomain.net, where I I think you write over there as well, it's sort of a, a, a tech right. slash news site. Uh, Tom Ewing. And Gina Smith and Nancy Imperiali have, d- have been doing some really good coverage of this uh, issue and raise a couple of interesting points that I'd love to get your, uh, your take on first. Um, is it even lawful for the LAPD to release this tape, to release recordings like this uh, that were, I-, I presume at the time you had no idea you were being recorded? Is, is that correct? I had no idea whatsoever, no. So uh, do, do you have any idea... What the hell is, uh, is that even legal for them to record and then release that to the media without your knowledge? I've covered a lot of, you know, I covered these ACORN and, and James O'Keefe and, and the, the, the Wiretap Act in California. And, you know, if, if you think you're uh, in private with someone or having a private conversation, even in a public space, if you have a, a reasonable expectation of privacy, it's illegal to audio tape you. So I'm not clear if what the police did was legal. And then giving it away without your permission to the L.A. Times, I'm not sure that's legal either. Do you have any uh, uh, 
Have you gotten any legal advice on that if the LAPD themselves broke the law in A, recording you, and then B, giving that recording to uh, giving that recording, making that public? Well, I'm not a lawyer, mm-hmm. but I have spoken to several about this uh, topic, and uh, all lawyers will say they need to research more carefully. But the initial opinions I've received unanimously are that they do, the cops do have an, a legal right to, re- to make these recordings mm-hmm. without your knowledge. Um, and, um, and they are allowed to do it. I, I don't know what the basis for that is. It might be the fact that you don't have a reasonable expectation of privacy when you're in a public space like okay. a sidewalk. Right. Uh, but what they don't have under California privacy law is the right to release it to anyone, much less a newspaper, uh, without your specific signed authorization, which, of course, I didn't provide. So, or I wasn't requested. I mean, this was leaked by the LAPD or the LAPPL to the LA Times. We don't know who gave it to who. Mm-hmm. It appears to have occurred at the highest levels, however. Um, I- and, uh, and, it, and, and in terms of this breaking the law, it, there's all sorts of legal issues that come into place. I mean, there's a it's tortious interference with contract. In other words, um, trying to the the LAPD trying to get me fired, mm-hmm. uh, you know, using incorrect illegal means and in you know fact, factually incorrect means. Um, there may be a First Amendment issue because it's a government agency trying to suppress the speech of a reporter, um, and by getting him fired, which is rare. There's not really many good First Amendment cases. Uh, and it may be, uh, and I think probably the big one uh, is, is, there's a lot, of, there's several other, and I, clearly the pri- my privacy rights have been violated, but the, probably the big monster one is defamation um, because there's malice involved at this point. Not only, you know, defamation can happen accidentally. You can, you know, for example, if I say bad things about Bill Cosby that I read in the New York Times, and it turns out that Bill Cosby is later exonerated, until he's exonerated, you know, I'm, I'm really within my rights to repeat that information. Mm-hmm. But as soon as I'm made aware of the fact that he's now been, ex- if he's exonerated in the future, I need to reflect that in the original thing that I wrote. And they, right now, have been made aware of a change in the facts. They know that that what uh, what they did that you know that the editors note that Nick Goldberg wrote is wrong. They, they, or, and if you're just going to be very conservative about it, they certainly know there's a major question about it, um, and they need to reflect that because every second that thing is on, uh, people Google my name. Yeah. Uh, when they're considering whether or not to hire me, and they see that thing. This and is, it's also spreading like a virus across the Internet as people cut and paste it to their blogs and so on. Well, you know, good. I'm glad that it is, uh, to be frank, because i got to tell you, uh, Ted Rall, this uh, has been a very strange story from, from when it began. Uh, a lot of this just simply doesn't make sense. I'm trying to figure out, you know, your... Uh, and and I've got just a minute or two left here, but I, I want to get this in because, you know, there there's a lot of uh, progressives out there in the media, uh, in corporate media, but there are very few, and I mean this as a compliment. It's not usually used. Uh, usually, when when someone is called a leftist, it's a pejorative in this country. But <laughs> you know, it seems to me that the work that you do sort of comes from that leftist point of view that is rarely seen in the corporate media. So it's really disturbing to me uh, when I see you know someone like you working with the LA Times and and. A, a cabal sort of going after you, and I'm trying to figure out, is this really, in truth, about something much larger? 
Uh, you've got a new book coming out as it uh, as it as chance would have it. I happened to go to my uh, uh, post office box today, and there was a book from you, the advanced uncorrected galley for your new book, Snowden. Uh, a graphic biography of the notorious whistleblower that is one part spy thriller, one part prof- profile in civic courage, one part meditation on the subtle balance between privacy and security that dominates our sense of the public sphere in the information age. That's uh, how it's described. I haven't gotten to read the book because literally I just picked it up today. I had no idea it was going to be waiting for me in my post office box. That's funny. And I know... As well, you've written with, uh, I mentioned my friend Greg Pallast at the beginning. You uh, uh, wrote a book with him on uh, billionaires and ballot bandits, in which uh, I think bradblog.com might be quoted, uh, some of our work on on stolen elections and so forth. Is there a bigger cabal out to get you and out to send the message to corporate media to keep out all but the, uh, you know, polite, progressive, uh, okay, very safe, not too left uh, media folks out of the corporate media. Is that what all of this is about? And I realize we're into speculative territory here, but something about this story just does not make much sense, Ted Rawl. Well, uh, obviously I have no idea, right? I mean, what I, mm-hmm. what I, know, I know for sure is that, look, I pissed off cops. I've done, um, I've done, does, I've done uh, you know, just, just many, 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 anti-LAPD cartoons mm-hmm. and essays over the years. Uh, and, and, so, and the LAPPL made very clear in their blog that they have long been angered by me. So, and they're crowing about my dismissal. So just at bare minimum, uh, you know, think about how disturbing this is. The LAPD or the LAPPL passed illegally, basically stole something out of the evidence room, slipped it to the editors at the top editors at the LA Times, one of the biggest and most widely respected Metro dailies in the United States, Mm -hmm. in order to get me fired, in order to send a message to the, um, to send a message to other reporters, don't screw with cops. I mean, we know that. And I mean, this would be disturbing, even if I had been lying, even if I, you know, even if I'd fibbed about this old story back in, you know, 2001, which, frankly, it was in an opinion piece, and, you know, there's a lot, of, there's a lot more latitude in an op-ed than there is in a, in, a, in a news story. I mean, even if I'd been fibbing, this would be the nuclear option. I mean, you know, most papers would probably just give you a slap on the wrist, yeah. and say, don't do it again, or they would, they would, or maybe more likely there would be a correction um, issued by the editor. Um, or they might really come out and say, hey, Ted, lay off the cops for a while, just informally. Um, or if they really wanted to just get rid of you, they just say, hey, you're a freelancer. We no longer have money for you. Get lost. So the fact that they gave me a burn notice yeah. uh, you know, is, is, uh, is really, um, you know, I love that show, uh, but they, you know, is, is a, indicates to me that they were out to assassinate my career, to destroy me. Uh, and it was, it was meant to serve as an example to other reporters. Now, you know, what does this have to do with the Snowden book that comes out August 25th? Uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, I, who knows? I mean, even if it has nothing to do with some kind of cabal, I mean, what we're talking about is it's hard to be, as you described, it's, it's hard to be fighting for the people consistently against corporate interests uh, in corporate media. And, you know, you're going to get 
fired over and over again, and I have been. But usually, it's they, you know, they just claim budget cuts. And in some cases, that's legit. Um, this was much bigger than that. This was, and, and, and out, the way it happened... Uh, I mean, this is actually a huge story. I mean, the, I have well, to tell you, I mean, the, the people I'm talking to in journalism and the attorneys, you know, this is a, an epic, uh, uh, you know, example of corruption at the highest levels of government and media. And um, I don't want to use the C word, conspiracy, but it might legally be considered a conspiracy. Well, um, I, and I don't know if it's corruption uh, or, or just failure. I mean, it seems corruption on the, on the side of the LAPD that they would be able to pull out this 14-year-old tape and go after a journalist. But uh, Yeah, you have to wonder why they still have it. This is the same department that lost 12,000 rape kits. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I have a theory about that, but I don't know. You know, it's just a theory. Yeah, My well, working theory is that yeah. they... They might have a. Uh, they, they, it may, it's entirely possible that the LAPD, which has an intelligence division, they have a political file, so that they, they, whenever they have anything on celebrities or political opponents, uh, kind of like a la Richard Nixon, mm-hmm. they keep it, um, and and just in case they might it come it comes in handy for later. Well, message received. Uh, keep driving. Don't walk. You might get a ticket here in in uh, Los Angeles. <laughs> Ted Rawl, uh, you know, to to help uh, folks push back, uh, go out and buy. Uh, Ted Rawls, uh, Billionaires and Bandits, uh, Billionaires and Ballot Bandits book that he did with Greg Palast. Go out and buy Snowden by Ted Rawl. It's not published yet, but it will be soon. You can get an advanced copy. I can't tell you if this one is any good because I just got <laughs> it in my hands. So I'm not going right. to lie to you, but I just got it. And uh, if you want to push back uh, against uh, those in the corporate media who, who too often, um, I, I just don't like the way you've been treated here. I think well, it's outrageous. Also, please write to the LA Times. Oh, yeah. You know? Please do. Stop by. Uh, and and uh, listen to yeah. the tape. I mean, don't just take my word for it. Listen to the tape. Go to anewdomain.net. You can hear the tape. Very good. Uh, Ted Rall, columnist, syndicated editorial cartoonist, and uh, uh, formerly employee for the uh, Los Angeles Times. Uh, great talking to you here. Please keep us updated as the story moves forward. Something doesn't smell right. I hate to say it. Okay, you can get more information on this story and this mess at Rawl, that's R-A-L-L dot com. You can follow Ted on the Twitters. He is at Ted Rawl. Uh, And uh, for some uh, really good reporting on this, uh, do check out uh, the coverage, and they're covering it like crazy over at anewdomain.net. All right, we're going to take a quick break and come back with more Bradcast, including, uh, oh, Desi Doyen and the Green News Report. All of that straight ahead. I'm Brad Friedman. Stay tuned. Melting for Desi Doyen. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. My thanks to Ted Rawl once again. What a weird story. I know. It's so uh, it's so bizarre and hard to wrap your I head know. around. Uh, uh, in any event, well, here's what we have to wrap our head around now is our latest Green News report because we're running late. So yeah. kick it, Des. No challenge poses a greater threat to our future and future generations. Than a changing climate. President Obama announces historic climate action to cut carbon emissions. 
clean energy is booming around the world, especially in China. Plus, a bad day for big coal. The nation's largest coal company files for bankruptcy. All of that very sad news and more straight ahead from Bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. I was somewhat concerned about the Pope's statement. Uh, Did you read it? I didn't read it. (laughs) Didn't even read it. More kabuki theater from the world's climate change deniers. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, it was announced over the weekend that Beijing in China would be the host of the 2022 Winter Olympics. That's correct. You're asking why is that a Green <laughs> News Report story? The reason is, is because the last time that China had their Olympics in Beijing, it caused a great deal of embarrassment for them as the world got to see just how filthy, dirty, polluted the air was in that city. And they've made some big changes, not just in Beijing, but across the entire country to deal with carbon emissions in that country. I would say more attention on Beijing in 2022 is only going to be a good thing when it comes to carbon emissions and the things that you, young lady, care about. Yes, I think you're absolutely right about that. And China is racing ahead of everybody else. What? Republicans told me that would never happen. We'll get to that in a moment. First, President Obama on Monday took another big action on climate change, releasing the final version of his historic clean power plan. The first ever rules to ramp down carbon dioxide emissions from the nation's power plants, which are the single largest source in the U.S. of greenhouse gas emissions that cause global warming. We're the first generation to feel the impact of climate change and the last generation that can do something about it. And that's why I committed the United States to leading the world on this challenge, because I believe there is such a thing as being too late. The science tells us we have to do more. And doing more includes these final rules that are specifically tailored to each state's current energy mix. Ultimately, they will cut U.S. emissions from power plants more than 30 percent by 2030 off of 2005 levels. The final rules differ from the previous draft rules by giving the states more time to comply. Now, the new standards are a major step toward establishing a market signal by putting the first ever limits on the nation's biggest polluters. Thanks to natural gas and the rise of renewable energy, most of the nation's power plants are already well on their way to cutting their emissions. But some are still fighting. And now that the final rules are out, we can expect legal attacks from all who profit from the current pollution system, like the coal industry and the utility industry. And, of course, those are the only people that are really fighting against this, those who stand to make a profit. Everyone else is just reacting to the propaganda of that uh, handful of incredibly wealthy individuals who want to kill the planet planet so they can continue to profit. And President Obama addressed that propaganda. He pre-bunked those critics in his remarks, noting that the same people said the same thing in trying to stop the nation's wildly successful standards to cut air pollution, to cut acid rain, and to create mileage standards for cars. Whenever America has set clear rules and smarter standards for our air, our water, our children's health, we get the same scary stories about killing jobs and businesses and freedom. The same characters who are going to be criticizing this plan were saying this is going to kill jobs. It's going to be wildly expensive. And each time they were wrong. 
And they never seem to get tired of being wrong. And nobody ever seems to call them on it. And now, yet another new study finds that the clean power plan will actually save Americans money. It's a new analysis of energy trends from Georgia Tech University. It calculates that the clean power plan will actually lower energy bills overall due to increased energy efficiency and cheaper wind and solar coming online. Not to mention saving billions of dollars in avoided health care costs from air pollution. Meanwhile, it was a bad day for big coal. On the same day that Obama announced his clean power plan, one of the world's largest coal companies, Alpha Resources, filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection, citing falling demand for its coal around the world. Since 2012, more than 40 U.S. coal companies have filed for bankruptcy. And a new analysis from The Economist of global clean energy investment finds that China, of all the countries in the world, is building the most renewable energy, bigger and faster than any other country in the world. Despite all of those years of Republicans telling us that China would never curb their emissions. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Because, you know, we've been right all along. You can find us and follow us on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. Well done. Thank you very much, Desi Doyan. Yeah. Our producer. Also, my thanks to Cynthia Cohn, our booking goddess, and uh, to my guest today, Ted Rawl. Check his weird story out at rawl.com. And to our friend D.R. Tucker of Washington Monthly. If you missed any portion of today's program, you can download it at bradblog.com or over at iTunes, where I hope you will help uh, give us a good review to make it a little easier for other people to find it. You can drop me email. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. Or you can find, uh, or you can follow me on the Twitters and the Facebooks at the Brad Blog. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Everybody.